Hello, this is Anthony Day, and welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Futures podcast, making sense of sustainability at home, at work, and at school. Is this the end of fossil fuels? Drax Power Station is enormous. You can see it as you travel up the East Coast Main Line through North Yorkshire with its 12 gigantic cooling towers, each large enough to engulf St Paul's Cathedral. It has an output of 4 gigawatts or 4,000 megawatts, which is enough to power 6 million homes or, to put it another way, twice as many homes as there are in London. It provides between 7 and 8% of the UK's electricity. It's twice as big as its nearest rival. It's the most efficient coal-fired power station in the UK, but it is the largest emitter of CO2 in the UK and the second largest in the whole of Europe. I've been studying Drax Power Station for years. It's iconic. And I may be biased because one of my pictures of it once won a photographic competition. More about Drax in a moment. A lot more. But first of all, is this the end of fossil fuels? Is this the end of fossil fuels? Well, no, of course not. Or at least not yet. But there are some interesting straws in the wind. Glasgow University has become the first in Europe to sell off its investments in fossil fuels. At £18 million, that's not even a drop in the bucket. Insignificant in financial terms, but much more important from a PR point of view, is the deal between Lego and Shell. Lego carried the brand on many of its bricks, but following a campaign from Greenpeace with a video which went viral, Lego has agreed to end the relationship with the oil company. The focus of the Greenpeace campaign was Shell's plans to drill for oil in the Arctic. It was both about putting the Arctic wilderness at risk and about producing more fossil fuels, which lead to worsening climate change. For the moment, Shell is still intent on drilling in the Arctic. And so we go on. But the most significant news is that the Rockefeller Foundation announced last month that it was going to sell off all its investments in fossil fuels. That's the Rockefeller Foundation that was founded on Standard Oil, ESSO in the UK. If they are now selling out of the fossil fuels which made their fortune, maybe we should start to take notice. As professional investors, they're likely to be selling out because they foresee a market decline. And by the way, they've said they are now going to invest in renewables. So is this the end of fossil fuels? It could well be the beginning of the end. People, important people, are finally realising that we cannot exploit all the remaining fossil fuels reserves without setting off climate change which will make the world uninhabitable in a few short decades. However, we still need energy, and it must be clean energy. The race is on to develop carbon-free alternatives. So, back to Drax. Dorothy Thompson, CEO of Drax Power, delivered the inaugural Bob Evans Business Lecture at York University recently. The event was sponsored by TSIS, the International Payments Processing Organisation. TSIS is also sponsoring MBA studies at the York University Business School. Dorothy Thompson started by explaining that risk management can be a negative strategy, and while innovation can be risky, it is frequently essential. 
She then went on to explain innovation at Drax Power. Drax was opened in 1974, 40 years ago. At that time, it stood in the middle of the Yorkshire coalfield, but the world has moved on. Now, most of our coal is imported, more than half of it from Russia. Now, carbon reduction policies are starting to bite. The UK has the highest carbon tax in the world, rising to £18 a tonne next year. For Drax, that would mean a bill of £500 million if the plant continued to operate 100% on coal. That compares with the company's £50 million profit. Clearly, a high-emission operation does not have a sustainable future. Ten years ago, management had already started a plan for a future where coal use would have to be reduced or eliminated in order to reduce the carbon footprint. Maybe they could have started with a completely blank piece of paper and said, Drax is a power company, let's close this dirty plant and generate all our power from renewables. However, research proved that this was not the best option, and indeed they published a report to show that offshore wind was certainly not the best option, with power available for as little as 40% of the time. Opportunity perhaps for a separate debate here. Renewables are intermittent. They only produce energy when the wind is blowing, the sun is shining or the tide is running. Although hydro can be pretty constant. Electricity is expected to be available on demand 24-7. And since electricity cannot be easily stored, it is difficult to match demand with supply from renewables. If there is a significant proportion of energy capacity dependent on renewables then there needs to be a significant number of conventional power stations idling on standby to cope with the peaks in demand and the troughs when renewable energy is not available. The emissions from these standby stations offset and reduce the savings from the zero emissions of the renewables. On the other hand, a conventional plant such as Drax can run 24-7 for weeks at a time. Unlike renewables or nuclear, it can vary its output to match fluctuating demand. So the chosen solution was to remain with conventional generation, but look at ways of reducing the carbon footprint. The first step was the quick wins, in this case upgrading the turbines. This yielded a 5% improvement in efficiency and a reduction in carbon footprint, but still only 5%. After much discussion, the decision was taken to convert the station to burn biomass. There are many advantages. Biomass is renewable, sustainable and can use materials which are of no value. In fact, the plant uses a small amount of agricultural residue and energy crops such as elephant grass, but the vast majority is wood chips. When I first heard about the project, I was sceptical. First of all, wood chip has a significantly lower calorific value than coal, so enormous volumes of wood chip would be needed and I couldn't see how we could source sufficient fuel within the UK. Then I learnt that the majority of the woodchip would be transported from the United States, that new ports, pelleting plants and trains would have to be built, as well as specialised storage at Drax itself. The wood to be used would not be trees that would be replanted. The process would use fallen trees, misshapen trees, twigs and branches. With such an extended and complex supply chain, how could this project ever be carbon neutral? Apparently the British government had similar misgivings and was concerned that there would be a public outcry if a major British company 
was seen to be destroying the environment in this way. But things actually are rather different. First of all, nobody ever claimed that the project would be carbon neutral. And that's too much to expect of any sort of power generating facility. The actual forestry element probably is carbon neutral. The material that is recovered from the forests is timber of no commercial value, which would normally be left to rot, releasing uh, methane, or burnt on site, releasing CO2. As long as the forest as a whole is managed so that its capacity as a carbon sink continues or increases, burning the scrap timber in a power station is wholly offset by the CO2 absorbed as the forest grows. Of course, there is a carbon footprint associated with the new pelleting plants, ports, the ships, the rail transport and the new storage, both in construction and in use. However, apparently, once the project is complete, the plant's carbon footprint will be 86% lower than it would be if it were burning coal. That compares well with the objective of the Climate Change Act, which is an 80% reduction in the nation's carbon footprint by 2050. Drax is on track to exceed this, and to do so before 2050. It looks like the triumph of innovation in the face of very significant risks. The project needed a new port, new pelleting plants and a new transport infrastructure. Biomass projects had never been attempted on this scale, so success depended on new skills and unproven technology. There were significant physical risks as well, because wood dust is far more explosive than coal dust. Unlike other generators, While Drax has the biggest power station in the country, it only has the one. It was effectively betting the whole business. Would it work? Would it damage the power station, the company's most valuable asset? Would it guarantee sustainability? It appears that the risks have been overcome. Two out of the station's six generating sets are now burning biomass. The third will be converted in 2015-16. Plans to convert number four are under consideration. Drax is moving towards total reliance on biomass. So is this the end of fossil fuels? Maybe the beginning of the end. As far as Drax is concerned, in the spirit of innovation, in spite of short-term risk, there are plans to build an additional plant on the site, and this one will burn coal. Coal? The dirtiest fuel of them all? If all the emissions from a coal plant can be eliminated, captured or safely stored, the main objection to coal as a fuel disappears. Easily said. When the original Drax was designed half a century ago, nobody thought about carbon capture. Nobody even thought about carbon. For this reason, it is extremely difficult to clean up all its emissions, although much work has been done and systems retrofitted to make Drax the UK's cleanest dirty coal station. The new plant will be the centrepiece of the White Rose Carbon Capture and Storage Project, CCS, ultimately to serve all the coal power stations in Yorkshire and the Humber. CCS involves extracting from the flue gases all the carbon dioxide created by the combustion process. This is then compressed and pumped by pipeline into caverns or exhausted oil wells under the North Sea. The new plant is designed to facilitate carbon capture. Coal will be burned in an atmosphere of pure oxygen, so that the emissions will be close to pure carbon dioxide and need little treatment before being pumped away. Again, there are risks. The technology is new. 
CCS has never been implemented on a commercial scale. As with biomass, there is scope for mitigating some of the risks. For biomass, long-term contracts assure supply. For the CCS project, a price guaranteed by the government for all the electricity produced assures its viability. And the price guarantee recognises its importance as proof of concept and a stepping stone to cleaning up the whole coal-fired power industry. The greatest risk of all, Dorothy Thompson told us, is being afraid to innovate and to do nothing until it's too late. It comes back to Ban Ki-moon, UN General Secretary, and my favourite quotation of the year. At the press conference launching the latest report from the IPCC and talking about the need to reduce global carbon emissions urgently, he said, science has spoken. There is no ambiguity in their message. Leaders must act. Time is not on our side. There has been an awful lot of foot-dragging in the global carbon reduction arena. Will we finally get a decision in Paris next year? Will governments act on it? But it's comforting to learn that there's a business in North Yorkshire which has already been weighing up innovations and risks and planning its future for more than a decade. We're on our way to the end of fossil fuels, but more leaders must act. Time is not on our side. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Futures podcast. I'm Anthony Day. I strive to make sense of sustainability at work, at school and at home. I have workshops. You'll find them on my website at anthony-day.com. And I deliver keynote speeches, Sustainable Futures. And for schools, 7 billion people want everything you've got. The next episode is going to be about stranded assets, why we cannot use all the remaining fossil fuels if we really wanted to. That will come out next Friday. I hope you'll listen then. I hope you enjoy this. If you do, put a, uh, put a review up on iTunes. If you don't, email me, mail at anthony-day.com. Use that address as well if you'd like to ask questions, pass comments, or suggest something else that I should talk about in these episodes. So that's it until next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.